Hey y'all, I'm Reese, and welcome to Making Meaning. Making Meaning is a podcast by the Cohere Collective, here to help guide you along your path to make meaning in a way that makes sense for you. Today, I am not joined by anyone. This is once again another bonus episode with just me and a mic new mic actually which i'm very excited about sitting down chatting with y'all i've decided to start doing these solo episodes in between the episodes where we have guests just because our lovely guests give me so much to think about and i have things come up for me that i'm working on and if we're all going through this making meaning journey together i think sharing my experience with that is part of it the same way I want to hear how you're making meaning and what that looks like for you and insights you're having I think that these solo episodes are both a way for me to make meaning while also talking about making meaning if that makes sense (laughs) real quick at the beginning of the episode if you're new here please subscribe to the cohere collective give this video a like comment down below your thoughts throughout the episode or after the episode different insights you have. I really, truly do love hearing everything that you'll have to say. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please subscribe there. Give the podcast a five-star rating and leave us a review. Any honest thoughts you have, I want to hear them. I want to make Cohere, but also making meaning the podcast something that is a valuable tool for you to use. So, let me know what you think and I will incorporate your feedback into what we create. I always feel weird asking people to subscribe and like, I think everyone does. It just feels scummy, but they say that it is the best way to remind people to do it. So here I am trying to do that. So if you want to support us, that is really the best way to do so. So thank you. Today I am going to be talking about time and what we do with our time, how we choose to spend our time, and the importance of making that decision intentionally. But I think it's a bit more complex than that. So that's why we have a whole episode about it. (laughs) Okay, but I think that's all I really want to say for the intro. All of that out of the way, let's take a deep breath. And get started. Okay, so time. I really want to start with something that my colleague Stephanie Waite shared with me when she was a guest on this podcast in season one. So definitely go listen to her episode. And she shared that time is our most valuable, non-renewable resource. And I had never thought about time as a resource before or in that framing. It always kind of just seems like a constant. Like it's here, it's a part of our reality, um, but it's just a given, right? And framing it as a resource really changes the way I've engaged with time because yes, you can run out of resources and we all do run out of time eventually, but also resources, resources are tools that you can use to your advantage to help you achieve your goals, your dreams, whatever that looks like, right? And so to me, 
time has now become something that I'm not racing against, right? Like every day isn't a race against the clock. It's let's use time like the resource it is strategically, intentionally. We're not wasting it, but also not afraid to let it work for you, right? I think the same thing about, um, you know, any other resource we have, like food. There are nice restaurants that treat food like an art, right? And meals are a place of connection. Um, And not every single meal you have is purely designed to fuel your body. We also eat for enjoyment and, yes, nourishment, but indulgence and satisfaction and fun. So thinking of time in that way where it's like, yes, there are certain things that I need to get done within this time. There are certain nutrients that I need to eat, right? But it's also a way to explore other things and let it work for me however I want it to. So time is our most valuable non-renewable resource. We are never getting it back. But the number one most important thing that I want to make very clear in this episode, at least about what I believe and therefore what I think you should at least consider or think about is that the way you spend your time should be based on your own value system, your own compass, what works for you. And that's a balance between this hustle and bustle, intensive work life, right? And rest, relaxation, enjoyment. And both of those things contribute to purpose and fulfillment, but you have to have both in order to balance both of those and do both of those effectively. So kind of an overview, but let's dive in even more. So if we are thinking about how to use time to our benefit and basing that on what our benefit looks like to us, I think the very first step is getting real with yourself about what actually is important to you, right? What use of time is actually going to be effective is only a question you can ask once you know what you're working towards. I think that, especially in the United States, we have this culture of success that has been given to us, right? That has been defined for us, set out for us. And I think a lot of us adopt it because we're like, oh, of course, we want to be successful and we're told that this is what's going to make us happy and fulfilled and who doesn't want to be happy and fulfilled so i'm gonna do these things but then 40 years down the line you turn around and look back and realize okay maybe i met this textbook version of success but it's not the life that i wanted or I don't even know what kind of life I would have wanted because we never pause to sit back and think about it. Alan Watts has this talk um, that's recorded. I'll link it down below. And it's really wonderful. He is a um, philosopher, thought, thinker, just all around, does great work. Highly recommend Alan Watts. Um, 
But he talks about how in this life, we are all set up with, okay, you're born and then we're going to put you in kindergarten. Great. We're going to put you in first grade and you need to work hard there so you make it to second grade. You need to work hard there and all throughout elementary school so that you get into middle school. And in middle school, it's really important that you work hard and you get good grades and you're kind to your teachers. That way you can get into a good high school and be successful in high school. And then you're in high school. And in high school, you need to work really hard and get good grades and do the extracurriculars and be involved in as many things as possible so you get into a good college because then you're in a good college where you need to work super hard and get good grades so that you graduate top of your class and you get a good job and then this good job that you have you need to work super hard so that you can get a raise and move your way up in the company and then once you get a promotion and start moving your way up you need to continue to work hard so you can move up even more and then eventually you've moved up as much as you can, you've worked as hard as you could, and you've found happiness, question mark? Like where does that come into the equation along the way? I call this concept the conveyor belt. And I think that when this status quo conveyor belt came about, it was for good reason, right? It was, we want to encourage young people to be hard workers. We want to encourage them to have the resources that they need, right? Like money is a necessity to live life and it does give you opportunities. And if you don't work hard and you don't get a good job, you're not gonna get enough money. And sure, for a lot of people, the white picket fence, two and a half kids, a dog and a fish is exactly what they want. That is an absolutely valid goal to have. But that is not everyone's goal. And also the path to achieving that goal doesn't have to look like this conveyor belt. I think it's extremely easy for someone else to hand you a goal or a path and say, this is what worked for me, it will work for you and just accept it because getting real with yourself is hard. <laughs> like not having a solid answer to something is scary. But I think that sitting in that discomfort is really important to understand who we are as people, who we want to be, and what will actually bring us fulfillment and what our true purpose really is. And when someone else gives you that answer, it takes away that discomfort. It takes away that vulnerability. It's saying, you don't have to worry about that, right? Life is this grand mystery, but I've got this piece figured out, here you go. And I think that that is like handing a gift to someone that has this beautiful wrapping paper and gorgeous bow and like adornment and it's huge and it looks beautiful but then you open it and you realize it's empty because what did it ever mean to you and what did it truly ever mean to that other person right that is handing this over to you maybe that truly did work for them but maybe it didn't and they were just sold this narrative too and so then they're taught to continue teaching that to other people. But this is a vicious cycle that leads to resentment and 
lack of engagement and complacency. And I think it's interesting that in the United States, of course, this is really coming from my experience here in our country. I do know that this is different across the world. So take what works, leave the rest. But we're supposed to be a meritocracy. But the meritocracy that we're sold is this conveyor belt, is this narrative. And how much is your hard work actually paying off if at the end of the day you wake up and you're like, oh sure, it paid off in the sense that I make a six-figure salary. It paid off in the sense that I have beautiful children that are healthy and I'm healthy. But what did I do? You know, and I think in a meritocracy or in for a meritocracy to work, the reward has to work for each person. Right. And the reward cannot just be money because money only feeds the system. It doesn't feed you. So how do we begin to address this? How do we hop off the conveyor belt to look at it, inspect it, say, these are the pieces that go into this. This is what works for me. This is what doesn't. This is the piece that I have to do. There are certain boxes that you have to check in order to survive, right? You have some flexibility to make it work for you. You have to make money of some kind to be able to buy food, have shelter, but there's flexibility in how am I going to earn money? How am I going to make the things that I have to check work for me? Not how am I going to work for the conveyor belt? And I think that's a really important paradigm shift in how we're spending our time. So to kind of tie this concept back into time, we all have a limited amount of time. And if you are not spending your time doing something that sets your soul on fire. What are we doing, gang? What are we doing? Um, And I think that looks different for every single person, as it should. We are all different people, but your time is valuable. It is worth something. And no one is going to value your time if you're not valuing your time. First things first, with our time, in order to use it based on something that we believe in, we first need to know what we believe in. In order to spend our time in a value-centered way, we first need to understand our values. I think that there's a lot that goes into that conversation that I don't think I have time for today, unfortunately, but If you would be interested in some tools that I use to identify what lights me up, what's fulfilling for me, trying to figure out my passion, if those are things you are interested in hearing more about, let me know in the comments because I have a lot of thoughts on that. Now I want to share some facts. I think a lot of the time when I start talking about these types of things that people respond to them in a way that is discounting what I'm saying because it feels 
ethereal or hippy-dippy and ungrounded. However, these are all very real things and real experiences that are grounded in science and research that we can prove is true about human beings and about our society. So it's important to me that I share that side with all of you because if you haven't bought into this idea yet that this might be a way to find fulfillment and happiness, let me share with you why that is true. So all of the data I'm about to share with you comes out of Gallup and applies to adults in the US. And then I'll get a little bit more into the research of the frameworks that I'm using in a second. So the stats. 80% of people do not have something they are passionate about. 80% report that they have no thing that they feel passionate about. That blows my mind. Only 27% of college grads actually end up in a job related to their major. 85% of people report that they do not engage with their job in an active way, that they are not actively engaged with the work they are doing every day. 75% of people are unhappy in their job. Just unhappy. <laughs> they wake up and we are unhappy. 15% of people report that they actively hate their job. Not just are unhappy, not just dislike it, but actively hate. That is such a strong word. 81% of people report that they often think about finding another job, and a third of people are actively looking and applying for other jobs. Now, I think it's also important to note that while this data applies to adults in the U.S., this is going for people in nine to fives and corporate jobs, but it's also applying to freelancers and creative industries. It's not just um, cubicle life where I think one gets a bad rep. That is a very fulfilling life for a lot of people. But I think where a lot of the stigma around work being horrible comes from, you think of the guy in business khakis and a button up going into his cubicle every day being really unsatisfied. Sure, there are people in careers like that that are being incorporated into this data, but it's also people like me that have their own businesses, that um, are their own boss, that set their own schedules, that freelance, that work with their hands, that are doing manual labor, that are doing creative labor. This applies to all industries. So it's not just, oh, a certain amount of people from this one little niche area are contributing to this. This is contributing across the board. And there are a lot of systemic reasons for the lack of engagement, the lack of happiness, the lack of fulfillment. There is a problem with accessibility, a problem with barrier to entry that make it a whole lot harder for minority groups to find success and happiness in a job that can also support themselves and their family. Hopefully some of these tools can apply to everyone to begin finding some purpose in whatever way you can plug that in to the equation you already have. We spend a third of our lives at work based on, you know, the amount of time that the average human being has. We spend a third of our lives asleep, a third of our lives at work, and a third of our lives doing something else. And if a third of our life is spent unhappy, 
like Gallup just told us, I think there is a huge problem with that. Because then by the time you get home and you have that last third of your life to do with what you will, you're wound down. You are kaput. You don't have the time or space or energy to be able to do anything that might fill you back up because you've been unhappy for the last nine hours. Being able to recharge is important. Being able to relax is important. And I think this gets into the next step of how we deal with time. This next step is all about finding balance with what fuels us. I think it's really easily for this message that I'm sharing to be misinterpreted as time is a non-renewable resource, so you have to spend every single second doing something important. And that is not what I am trying to say at all. Or maybe it is, but let's shift what we think about the word important. Let's shift the way we're using the word important in that sentence. It is impossible for any human being to be on 100% of the time that they are awake, to be pushing and grinding towards something. That is just unhealthy and untenable. We can't do it. So we need to make time for fun, levity, and light as well. And this is that second piece of time where, yes, I think we need to carve out time for hard work, for reaching goals, for identifying a passion and chasing after it. But we also need to carve out time for going dancing with your girlfriends, <laughs> for watching a silly YouTube video or a comedy special, right? We need to carve out time for hobbies that maybe aren't related to your passion, but still light you up. That is just as important as chasing, running, making money moves, grinding. Just gave myself the ick, but you know what I mean, right? I think it's so easy for us to get carried away with this, oh, I only have so much time. I only have, and I have all these things that I want to do, so I need to make every single second count. Yes, make every single second count, but count towards what? Are you working towards your passion? Great. But that time can also count towards laughter and levity. So when we're having this conversation, I think also incorporating that paradigm shift of the way I spend my time should be important, but plenty of things are actually important that maybe we haven't thought of as important in the past, right? Watching a movie, I think is important. Dancing, I think is important. Eating a really good meal is important. So yes, let your time be important. But again, measure that up against your own values. So we have one, figuring out what worthwhile time truly means to you. What are you going to spend your time chasing after, working towards, that is going to fill you up? Two, striking a balance with the word worthwhile or important time. I'm spending this amount of time chasing after a passion, but not 100% of my time has to be there. It should also be spent with levity and joy and laughter 
and enjoyment. And hopefully there's a Venn diagram there, right? Where the thing that's filling up your passion is also bringing some light and levity, but there's also hard work that has to be done. But 100% of your time does not need to be spent grinding. We discuss the statistics that talk about why it's so important that we are talking about this. And next, the frameworks that I'm using to engage in this conversation. This is all rooted in human-centered design, which is a innovation framework um, that talks about how to go about designing anything. A business, a product, a corporation, a workflow. It tends to be used in the entrepreneurial world a lot, but the beautiful thing with human-centered design is that it can be applied to anyone or anything that has a human being interacting with it on the other side. And there's this sect of human-centered design called life design, where we are designing for ourselves. If you are interested in this concept at all, please check out Stanford's D School or the book Designing Your Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. That is where a lot of my research has rooted in for this conversation and what's going to guide some of these next things that I share with y'all. I think it is so important that in this moment, if you are having this, oh my gosh, I've wasted so much time already, or I just don't know where to start, or any sort of negative self-feeling or self-talk that's coming up, acknowledge it, realize where that's coming from, and say thank you. Thank you, mind, for trying to protect me um, and teach me something here. But then let it go, let it release, because we are all starting where we are. It's like the symbol on a map that says you are here. You cannot change where you are right now. Whatever life experience has brought you to this point, to this video, this podcast, it's brought you here for a reason and it has taught you something and it has been worthwhile working towards some goal or honing you being the best version of yourself. It has contributed to making you into the person you are. And that is wonderful. So do not hold any self-judgment for one, if you feel like you should have realized this sooner or two, knowing about this but not having done anything about it or three, wishing you were better at some of these things. This is not a space for that. This is a space for honoring the work that you have done because just showing up is already starting to do the work and we can't know what next step to take if we don't know where we are right now. So just start where you are and that is okay. Wherever you are coming into this space, honor that. Honor how hard you have worked. Honor the awesome person that you have become, right? You are never going to hate yourself into doing anything or, or judge yourself into doing anything, right? It's kind of like with working out. If, so speaking from personal experience, getting up in the morning and looking in the mirror and saying, ugh, I hate my body. So hard for me to, you know, work out that day or eat a little bit healthier that day. Instead, I'm contributing to a negative cycle. But if I start the day with, I love my body, I'm grateful for my body and all that it does for me, it is so much easier for me to eat foods that fuel my body and 
move in a way that I know is healthy for me. Being mean to yourself will not encourage you to do anything. So hold grace and compassion for where you are right now and honor that and let that be the motivating factor that pushes you forward to try new things. So step three on this kind of time journey that we're going on is really reckoning with the reality that your time is valuable. We know it's a non-renewable resource, but it's not just a resource that we use, it's also a resource that other people are using. Usually we get paid for our resource, however, we don't always, right? Friendships, relationships, family, these are all things where we are agreeing to a free exchange of resources, right? If I am going out to dinner with my girlfriends, we have all agreed to exchange our resource of time, our resource of energy in that way because we enjoy doing that, right? And that sounds kind of callous and cold, but I think that thinking about your time in that way lets you start being a bit more discerning about who you are giving your time to nilly willy, <laughs> right? Um, if you are volunteering somewhere, that is not being paid for a resource that you are offering. And that is still a wonderful thing to do, of course, absolutely. And that is why donating and volunteering and doing these things for free is so useful, is because it is a really valuable resource, is that time and energy. But if there are people that you are spending time with, that you are surrounded with, that do not value the time or your energy that you are bringing to the table, maybe we start considering a change in the way we're engaging with them. Of course, in a work setting, it's slightly different in the sense that you are paid to show up and to give time. But sometimes the reward or the money or the pay or whatever does not compensate enough for the amount of time you're giving or the amount of energy you're giving, right? And I think that's where some dissatisfaction can come into that equation a little bit. But also if you have relationships, romantic, familial, friendship, or otherwise, that are draining you, but you're still engaging with that person and giving them time, that's not adequately valuing your own time. You're letting someone else mark the value of your time over yourself. When you begin to honor your own time, I think you'll find that the people who also truly honor you in your time are the ones who stick around. And the people who never did will slowly fall to the wayside. I think this also plays into the power of the words yes and no. Um, as a people pleaser myself, it is very hard to say no. <laughs> and this, the hard thing with saying no is that a lot of the time when it's difficult to say no, it's not because it's not something you want to do. It's because it's something you do really want to do, but you just don't have the space for it. But you're like, oh, but I want to do it. So I'm going to stretch myself anyways. And of course, through like other stuff we've talked about and self-care, I think we all know that like stretching yourself then even to do something fun is usually not 
a great idea, but when you start really harnessing your power to say no, the coolest change, at least that has happened for me, is that I feel like the power of my yes has increased exponentially. The more that I have learned to say no without having to give an excuse either with just, no, I'm sorry, I can't, or not even apologizing, you know? No, that won't work for me. Nothing rude about it. It's just factual, informational. Um, It makes the yes feel like a true yes, like a true agreement, like a true offering of yes. As someone who values my time, I am deeming this worthy of it, of me, of my time, of my energy. People begin to notice someone who values their time, if they're not putting themselves in situations that drain them or don't value them, when they're saying yes, they realize, oh, these are the things that fill them up, that they deem worthwhile doing, or it's worthwhile work with worthwhile people. It communicates to the people around you this is how I value myself and what I bring to the table. That's the expectation of how I want to be treated because we communicate to other people how to treat us based on how we treat ourselves. So the power of your yes and your no really starts with treating yourself with loving compassion and kindness and value, right? Recognizing how magnificent and important you are and that when you show up in a space bringing everything that you have to the table is worthy and worth something and it shouldn't just be a given another concept that's rooted in this life design work is that the best theoretical option is not always the best doable option for me I think this really comes down to when you're ready to start making changes, knowing that it doesn't have to be immediate, dramatic, or overnight changes, right? Building a life of purpose wherever you are right now, starting where you are and taking that first step really should be a first step. I don't want to come across as advocating for anybody going out tomorrow and putting in your two weeks or moving across the country overnight, right? Like these are very big steps that don't have to happen with the click of a button. They shouldn't because as we take steps towards building purpose, we should step back and evaluate, okay, this is a change I've made or this is a choice I've made. How does that make me feel? Is it taking me closer to passion, purpose, fulfillment? Or is it maybe not working the way I thought it would? And we can pivot, right? So taking steps in that direction without it having to be immediate and dramatic is very important for protecting your life that you've built, right? But also protecting yourself and honoring your process and the time that change takes. And in this same way, you can have this absolutely amazing dream that we can absolutely set as a goal that we will work towards. However, just because something is great in theory does not mean that it's practical or actionable. Does not mean that a step in that direction is going to really work for us, either because we may not have the resources for that right now, right? That that is just truly not doable. Or there's a lot of things we need to do before we get there. 
that is not something that can happen overnight. It's really all about taking these amazing inspirational dreams and goals that you have and breaking them down into the next right thing, into the next right step, trying things out, leaning into experimentation, leaning into failing forward and getting creative with it and falling in love with the process of discovering passion, not just, oh my gosh, I have lived a life that really hasn't brought, I have lived a life that really hasn't brought me fulfillment. I'm going to change everything. I'm not advocating for that. I think that there's probably pieces of your life that are super fulfilling and those things should be honored and brought with you and valued and appreciated. But what little things can we tweak, change right now and feel it out and see how it goes and then make another step. And maybe a year from now, you will have more tools to make something that used to be theoretical doable. The last thing I want to talk about, which I guess in my notes I labeled as step six. These aren't really steps. These are more like frameworks that I think are a little bit chronological, but step six. And this is more of a encouragement to actually go out and try something. One of my colleagues, Cedric James, who was also on the podcast last season, so definitely go listen to his episode, always says, you can never accomplish the things you want to accomplish by being the person that you are comfortable being. Comfort is a great thing. I think it's important that you have spaces and people that you can be fully comfortable with. However, when it comes to passion and purpose, I think if your dreams don't scare you, they're not quite big enough because all of us are always capable of more than we think we are. The place that you're dreaming to right now is not even the tip of the iceberg of all that you could do. Again, I think this goes back to the balance between working really hard and making space for rest and play. You need moments when you can fully relax to be able to then go step outside of your comfort zone. However, making any step towards passion is going to feel different, is going to challenge you, and is going to challenge who you are and who you think you are. Because when you're trying things out along this journey to really build this life in pursuit of passion, some things aren't going to be what you think they are. Some things aren't actually going to feel right that you always thought that they would. And that'll be uncomfortable. And you'll have to go back to the drawing board and say, well, I really thought that this one was going to work, but it really didn't. What now? And it's not comfy not having the answers. And this goes back to the thing that I said at the very beginning with this conveyor belt. It is so much easier with the mystery of life and of the human experience thrust upon us to take the answers that someone else has given us as capital T truth. But that is not how you find your capital T truth. Even here, sitting right now, me telling you these things, I always try and emphasize, take what works, leave the, le- the rest, try things out, but pivot if it doesn't work. Experiment and trust your own inner compass, not what I tell you to do, right? 
because those are just from my experience and I'm not an expert on you. You're the expert on you. But not having a solid answer isn't easy and it's not comfortable. But that discomfort is where we are pushed. It is where we grow. And in those pockets of discomfort is where the journey towards passion will be passion itself. If you've been along this journey for a little bit, if you are just starting out today, any step in the direction of fulfillment and passion and purpose is part of the purpose creating process too. It is not the top of a mountain that you are going to reach one day and say, I did it, I found purpose, I found passion. The whole motivation behind trying things out and living a life in pursuit of passion is with the belief that in those moments of exploration and risk and discomfort, the passion will arise. Because it's already in you. It's already a part of who you are. And you'll find it. (laughs) Alexa, cue the climb by Miley Cyrus. Um, But actually, right? I hope this has given you something to think about at the bare minimum, at the very least. How are you spending your time? So let's do a quick recap. One, define your own inner compass. What does worthwhile time mean to you? Two, redefining worthwhile, balancing play, rest, and hard work. Three, start where you are. Honor the past experiences that you are bringing with you and take that next right step forward. Four, honor your time. It is valuable and what you bring to the table is important. Five, the best theoretical option is not always the best doable option, but you have to try to figure it out. And six, you cannot accomplish what you want to accomplish by being the person you are comfortable being. So let's get out there, take some risks, value our time, spend our time together in community, in the collective, building lives that fill us up and fill each other up. And I think by doing that, we are communicating to people in power and to the system that we exist within, what matters to us. And above all, we are honoring ourselves and our true purpose. Whether you believe it's from a higher power or the universe or just by chance, you made it here. You made it here. So now what do we do with this awesome gift? Awesome in the true sense of the word, full of awe, that we have time to spend and it should not be squandered. It should be thought of purposefully, intentionally, beautifully, with fun and joy, and giving back. Thank you all so much for being here today. This was a bit of a rambly episode, (laughs) but I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoy sitting down just talking with y'all, just me. I think doing these bonus episodes in between is going to become a regular thing. So if there's something you would like to hear more about my opinion on, let me know in the comments. I would love to hear it. If you want more of 
The Cohere Collective, head to thecoherecollective.com. We have a blog over there, and I have some very exciting projects that I've been working on that will be coming out soon. So subscribing to the newsletter there is the best way to stay up to date on all things Cohere. If you enjoy the podcast Making Meaning, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us a five-star review. Give us a rating. It's the best way to spread the word. And share the pod if you think this would resonate with someone you know. It's a great way to start a conversation, right? If you want to stay up to date with YouTube, definitely subscribe. Give the video a like. Leave a comment. All of the things that you've heard before. And we are on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Threads. All at the Cohere Collective. All of the updates for the podcast are over there. And if you want to join the conversation, please head over to Instagram. That really is our main hub of stuff going on. Now I am feeling renewed. Talking about things that I really want to work on helps me remember why this is important and why this is part of my making meaning and pursuit of purpose journey. So thank you for being such a big part of that for me. Um, it wouldn't be the same without someone on the other side of this camera. And I believe that when you interact with it, it changes the meaning that it takes. This meaning that now we're both making together in this internet electronic space. So thank you for engaging with me in that way. And for your journey, reminding me to stay faithful to my journey. I appreciate you. <laughs> so that is all I have today, but I will see you very soon. And I hope you feel like you are living more coherently. Until next time, love. <laughs>